Go! Go! It's all go. It's all go. Yes. But it's not, because we've just come back. We've come back from the London Screenwriters Festival. Yeah, so uh, it, we're a bit late on this podcast, so apologies. Um, so, first of all, we are the UK Scriptwriters Podcast. Yes. Thank you for listening, either by accident or design. You've downloaded or you've clicked play. I uh, hope by accident. Uh, I like by it. accident. <laughs> I like that idea uh, better. But listen, everyone, because you're listening to the Irish tones of Danny Stack. Hello there. And I'm Tim Clegg. And just to introduce ourselves a little bit more formally, mm. um, we're both scriptwriters. Yeah. We both do other bits and bobs around the edges, but all cool media sort of stuff. Um, we've been doing it for quite a few years now. The podcast we've been running for over a year. Yeah, every we're month sort of, we do this podcast. We're sort of uh, mediumly successful, I suppose, in the fact that we do eke out a living. Yeah. Unlike um, writers that are just starting out and that's their, their goal still. But we're not big names. No. We've not done any big screen successes that you will have... Um, you know, seen at the Odeon or anything like that. Mm. But that's that's what we're trying to move towards, more success on that and on TV and games and just loving it. Yeah, so we just meet up once a month and we share anything that we've learnt or what we've seen or what's going on. And this past month, it was the London Screenwriters Festival in that fancy London. Indeed. So we saw some of you there and thanks to everyone that came up and said... Um, well, especially while me and Danny were together talking and then we'd come up to us and say, hey, it's just like I'm living in the podcast. <laughs> we like that sort of comment because it means that, in fact, that what we give you today is just who we are. Yeah. We're not, we don't put on any kind of fanciness for the podcast. But let's crack on because otherwise the time will disappear all too quick. Now, Danny Stack's a legend in my eyes for the sole reason that he put his head together and thought about what prize did he want to enter a few years ago and he came up with the Red Planet Prize. Danny, it's come round again. Tell yes, us about it. Yes, it's come round in screenwriting news. This month's screenwriting news is uh, the relaunch of the Red Planet Prize, which, if you've never heard of the Red Planet Prize, started in 2007. Um, uh, Tony Jordan, the governor of UK TV, uh, set up his production company, Red Planet uh, Productions. Uh, and I toddled along to him and said there should be this kind of screenwriting prize mm. that helped writers after they won the prize, not just, well done, you've won a prize. And he just thought it was a, a fantastic idea and he jumped in it and made it a fantastic prize. I'm not surprised that he went for it, though, on reflection. Because, of course, there's not so many places where the writer owns the production company, if you see what I'm saying. Yeah. <clears throat> so, uh, obviously, it's in, you, you really pushing on a you know a well-oiled door mm. <laughs> with him because he's going to say yeah of course we must support writers and and uh, try and find the best writers out there absolutely his initial reaction was you know let's give him ten thousand pounds an agent and a commission on one of my shows mm. and i was like that's way too much or just give me the 10 grand and we'll say nothing more about it obviously <laughs> so, so i got him down to five uh and um he still gives don't, you don't don't become an agent yeah exactly <laughs> Got him down to five. Well, it's not sustainable, you see. It's not sustainable. If I know it's what you mean. It would become a burden for, um, like the, for the company, yeah. Five grand cash prize, which is mm, fantastic that's in still itself. still great. You get an agent. I think it's Tony's agent, uh, which is fantastic, if you don't already have one. Yeah. And you get a script commission, which yeah. either means you could be perfect for one of his shows or one of his mate shows or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you get your script kind of option developed or whatever kind of it's thing. It's brilliant. It's, so it is the it's best brilliant. prize. I'm going to have to enter again. It's been running since 2007. It's been a big success. 
everybody's got work from it, even the runners-up uh, who've been mentored by him and Simon Winston at Red Planet. And now we've got Kudos Productions involved, which is great. So there's a lot of opportunity. I say um, to, to to people, I mean, I, I enter, I do enter, mm-hmm. um, which... It's free. Obviously. Which is free, and that's not the reason I <laughs> The main reason that I enter is actually it gives me a, a deadline to get a bit of TV script done again. Because I don't write TV scripts for spec normally. As you know, I do uh, features as my spec work that I do because I've got a chance that I might make one low budget myself. Mm-hmm. But I always give that a go because it actually gives me a deadline, gives me a focus, a bit of discipline in there. Yeah. Can I get it done? So I can keep measuring myself that if I've got a little, you know, a little deadline, can I not, can I churn one out yeah. that's quite good? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I enter for that reason. So there's all sorts of reasons to, for, for people to enter. But yeah, as Danny says, it is free to so crack on in there. Well, our big, biggest success story to date has been uh, one of the runners up from the first year, Robert Thorogood, has just had his... BBC primetime series launch on TV, mm. which is Death in Paradise. I don't know if anybody's seen it, but you might have heard of it. But it's come about basically because of the Red Planet Prize. Robert got to be in the room with Tony and pitching the idea for Death in Paradise. And it went from there. So we're all hugely excited and very proud. I'm just beside myself. Yeah. Because that's... It's what it's about. It's, it's what you started what it's about. It's like, it's not like, oh, you write well, here's £5,000 and we'll never see you again. It's like, well, what can you do yeah. now? Yeah, but the thing with Rob is, because I met him at the festival, Lovely and I hadn't guy, met him before, guy. hadn't met him before, <coughs> was, again, how committed he was to writing and how much effort he'd put in to get to that stage, yeah. which indicated that he was a long-term grafter. Do you know what I mean? So, so but he was on the edge of. He he was ready, but he was he was on the edge of quitting. He was on the edge of quitting, yeah, because he wasn't getting anywhere. So, I mean, in that way, just great that that prize was there to kind of give him that. Even if nothing else happened, it kept him in the game, didn't it? So that's fantastic. But it's bringing a lot of the writers in under the radar or in the radar, whatever the phrase is, on the edge of the radar of other shows and other people are running for MI High and stuff like that. Yeah, they're going into kudos and pitching and being mentored. It, It is. It's just fantastic. I Great. don't mind blowing smoke up my own skirt. To say. No. And uh, so we're re- relaunching. Details should be today, Monday the 7th of sep- November, September. Um, so it's probably on Red Planet Productions website. Check it out. The details will, will be on my blog eventually. Yeah. Uh, once I get home. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so just check it out. So that's the big news. That's the big news. Um, a little, another kind of a little plug, but we'll keep it very short. We are nominated for this European uh, podcast award yeah. under the personality section, which is weird. We didn't nominate we don't have ourselves. Any personality. <laughs> we don't have any personality, so we're, 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 we don't know why we're in the wrong section. But um, there we are. If you can sl- slide past European podcast awards. Search online. It's, it's well, we'll put European. the links up on our blogs and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it's European Podcast. European Award. Podcast Award on um, the personality section. It takes four clicks to vote. Just, just you give don't it a need, quick click. You, you don't, don't need to log in or anything. You don't need to do your email or whatever. So just vote for us if you've listened by accident. Yeah, <laughs> you think? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, those guys are all right. Now, um, you've been chatting to another writer. Let's just plug that and then. We'll oh yeah, on. what what we've started doing, or um, what we hope to start doing, is regular interviews. But instead of setting aside the podcast for that interview mm. uh, we thought we'd make the uh, interviews available on Industrial Scripts website so this week to start us off I interviewed Jack Thorne yeah. who is the writer of The Fades which was on BBC Three recently and he's written uh, Cast Offs and Skins 
and this is England 86, and mm. this is England 88. Which starts soon, and, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and scouting book for boys, uh, the film. So he's kind of really one of the UK's hottest screenwriters yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, he he's is. a very nice guy. I have to say, I spoke to him for half an hour, and it was a very lively and informative chat, I thought. So that will be available on the on Industrial Scripts website, yeah. industrialscripts.co.uk. I think we have a little clip that we can and play we're gonna at the end. end. We're going to end. We're going to end on some wise words from um, Which is, from Jack. Just because when I heard them, I thought that's what I want to end on. Yeah. Because it actually gives us a little momentum to crack on with our work at the end. Yeah. Right, Danny. Let's 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 not dilly dally anymore. Okay. We're going to recap on the festival. Really. We're going to recap on the festival because. Um, we we saw and heard quite a bit from all sorts of people, yeah. and we just want to go over that. Now between us, we actually on quite a few panels. We won't dwell so much on on those because a lot of them actually were things we've already covered. So I did one on going to Cannes, and as you know, we've yeah. already covered that in the podcast. So we won't go over those again because there's no new news there. If you see what I'm saying, mm-hmm. um, uh, one of the two two people back to back that were there were Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish. Yeah, that which was kind of feel like they're interlinked. In it a was, way. it was, it was a great. I think Edgar Wright was a last minute addition, so he wasn't. He was. Yeah, so he, he was kind of slotted in. It was a minute. surprise for a lot of people, and they had him in the cinema location, which was obviously packed out. They had people sitting in the aisles. Lo- uh, studied locally, Edgar, of course. Edgar Bournemouth. Bournemouth. Actually, we had a big Bournemouth posse in the London Screenwriters Festival. Yeah. This podcast comes to you from the sunny south coast. We it are, does. We, are we, Bo- are, we are, we are Bournemouth based. We are Bournemouth. There's a few of us down there. And there's uh, Lucy V, who organises the Screenwriters Festival with Chris Jones. And there was a load from students that we mentored last year were there as yeah. helpers and yeah. runners and. And the us too. Yeah, there's all sorts and of people. Andy Marsh, Don Carver. There's quite Craig a few Batty, Bournemouth people. Oh, big up the Bournemouth. Big up the Bournemouth guys. Uh, anyway, but Edgar, Edgar and Joe both went to Bournemouth. Yeah, and um, uh, so Edgar, they both spoke about their personal journeys. I suppose you'd call. Yeah, it. but 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 what I mean, the, I was surprised. But the thing that we both took away was about the amount of research they do, and why it's a surprise is that you think of their films, I've been a bit dismissive overly to make the point but you think of them as light yeah just and a bit of throw, throw away entertainment just or a little bit of fun yeah. um and well, yeah no. and yeah no you know they're really what they've they're doing research from a totally different point of view not out of historical accuracy no but actually funny words that people in that line mm. of work might say yeah um weird stories and anecdotes that you could never think of yourself because you just you're just not in that world enough. Yeah. And they're going around and collecting that. And um, Joe Cornish talking about uh, Attack the Block, talking about slang, mm. uh, different kind of words that were in sort of vogue that he hadn't heard of, you know, being a bit outside of that now. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, deciding to only use a few of them so as not to overwhelm the audience, yeah. he said. But I mean, yeah, that was quite, quite astounding, that level of kind of... Uh, know what you call it but it's sort of digging deeper digging deeper for, but for, I... for, for, for stories and interesting little bits of story dust to throw into your script exactly but it was interesting in terms of you know just preparation what am i going to write or have i done any research because i think joe corner said which i quite like the soundbite was you fill your head with so much stuff that you can't not write you yeah, like... that's totally how i feel about yeah. the scripts yeah it's like um you, you you have so much information in your head from all the research you've done. Yeah. So now you have like 10,000 angles you can approach the script. Yeah. But it's all burning in your head yeah. and you're ready to pop. Yeah. Uh, which is the opposite of being 
blocked, I suppose. Yeah. So, you know, Edgar spoke about riding along with the police in Somerset. Yeah. Which was hilarious. But for, that, for Hot Fuzz. Yeah, but hot also fuzz. very informative and feeded and into And getting some script. stories. And getting some stories. Like the story of, just, of, the, of the escaped uh, swan Swans, or yeah, yeah, yeah. That came from So, there. really good. And they were really candid. They were really charming. Um, and obviously, they're great filmmakers. But what surprised me, well, not surprised me, what was a nice surprise was, to me anyway, was really about how... Um, well, I say I remember Joe Cornish from Adam and Joe show, right? yeah, and that kind of thing. Um, so I was thinking of him as that kind of slightly light filmmaker, mm. but no, you know, he's really intellectually looking at what the films are about, working it out very carefully, delicately, like a surgeon. You know, he's really kind of a detail guy, mm. and that, that I, I sort of really warmed to him. Because, because not only because of that um, effort that he puts in, but also the sensibility that he's put in the fact that he wants to not exploit anyone. He wants to tell stories that are fair to everyone involved. And do you know what I mean? I felt I was really uh, inspired by that kind of dedication to good storytelling, yeah. but being a good storyteller. Mm. Do, do you know what I mean by yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, um, yeah, excellent. Yeah, excellent. I mean... The whole schedule for the whole weekend was packed with fantastic sessions and speakers. Oh, we're, we're just going to be scratching the surface here with yeah, a few highlights. I, but, I, mean, I couldn't even attend all the things that I wanted to. The good no. thing is they recorded everything, either camera-wise or podcast-wise. So if you were a delegate, you could access all that. Yeah. If you weren't there, I'm sure, I don't know, maybe email them and ask them, you know, can I slip you a fiver and, uh, and can I have access to the <laughs> no, things? No, I have no idea. They're nice people. They might, you know, they might be open to something. There might, there might even be a thing they um, can do it. I don't know. I don't know. Um, I did a thing about writing for games. We won't cover too rubbish, much obviously. on that. Obviously, that was, that was poor. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, again, though, it goes back to that. I mean, there was some good mix of people, all sort of at different stages of their career some people have been doing it only for a few years some like mm. steve ince that have been doing it for like 20 years mm. talking back to the amiga days um but when you look at the amount of work work that they've churned out and so on you're looking at billions of pounds mm. that those games have made combined yeah. that's it's pretty scary well the one thing i took away from that as an audience member tim was that there was no set way that games worked it's totally of, no set way. In terms of writing for it's, games. It's, it's, it's only, it's it's really a job for writers that are up for getting the muck, mucking in and almost inventing the system as they go. Mm. Um, if you like the fact that, you know, you write in 12-point courier only and it's all there and you know how to do it, it's not it's not for you. And there's some people that came away with that message, oh, this is too sort of almost a bit too scary for me. I like to know more what I'm doing. Nah, mm. not for not for them, not yeah. for them. We won't dwell too. We won't dwell uh, too long on that. Except to say, games news, games news, games news. Uh, if you want to support a fellow writer, um, Rudolf Kremers, yeah. scriptwriter, he was at the festival. So on his games out on the PlayStation Network. If you want to buy, it's it? called yes, it's called Euphoria. Come out a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm playing it now, right. enjoying it. It's quite hard actually. Okay, Rudolph, make it easier, will you? No, don't make it easier. I'm loving it. Uh, it's like a kind of a puzzly sort of game, but it's it's it's, it's uh, looks it it looks beautiful. It's like a work of art in mm. itself. Anyway, check that out. Euphoria, it's called. It's coming out on um, 
like Apple devices and whatever, right. maybe next year. But yeah, yeah. yeah it's, nice. it's great if you've got on the PlayStation Network. Uh, and you can add me as well if you want. There's right. Claggy. Claggy. Oh, Claggy. Claggy's add me on there. Say hello. Now, next thing uh, that for me, I don't think you went, was a thing about pre-verbal language, it was called. No, I missed that. Okay, so not sure. What, I wasn't too oh, that sure was Saturday you, morning. Saturday morning, I'm afraid. Yeah, I stayed in my hotel writing. Oh, you were scene. doing some work. <laughs> so that extra points for you, you swap. Yeah. But it was um, actually looking at the work of um, Alexander McKendrick. Yeah. Now, you might not know his name, but he was a guy... I feel that... like I should. I feel like everybody's, no, every time somebody mentions his name, I'm, I feel like I should nod and go, yeah, of you, you course. Will, you, don't, you, you will know his work, of course. It's like the Lady Killers is his most yeah. famous uh, uh, film directing that. Um, but he also did a Hollywood film, one of my favourites, actually, which I didn't know that he did, called Sweet Smell of Success with right. Lancaster in it, which is about... Um, that's the Tony Curtis. Tony, Tony Curtis, Curtis, yeah, and it's like a writer and agent that's kind right. of kind of uh, relationship between the two. It's a great film. Both, both recommend both of those if you haven't seen them. But this was this was run by Paul Cronin, who's is a film historian, really, right? And he's studied the work of McKendrick and spoken to all his colleagues mm-hmm. and got archive interviews with him and sort of edits them together into a book and a talk. But here's the point of it all. Yeah. When you see something, it's much quicker than hearing about it. And he's saying that there's a disease, almost in modern scripts, which is over dialogue. Yeah. Talking about, people talking about how they feel, people talking about what they're going to do, people talking about what they have done, um, what they're doing right now. We can replace all of those with looks, with um, props that, you know, symbolise things, <clears throat> with little bits of action. Not only is it uh, more effective in the fact that people remember those more than the dialogue normally, but it's quicker. Mm. Now, <clears throat> do I agree with that or whatever? It felt like I did, but I've come back since then. I've been able to shave three pages off and I was only in the final third working on this rewrite. So in the final third, I've been able to have a feature, just mm. to put it into context, but shave three pages off by actually saying, I don't need to hear this. Mm. I, c- I can show that. I don't, why am I talking about it? Yeah. It's funny when you go back through and you've just got that little bit of advice you sort of knew, mm. you, you know, you told it, but when you go back, you remember it and you go through, you go, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. why am I hearing all this? When a little look, a pass, sneaky glance, a wry smile. Do you know what I mean? That's all 10 times better. So that, to me, has really helped me already. And it's only like a week after I've heard that bit of advice, but I've been able to use it and crack on with it. Yeah, no, it, it reminds me of the advice David Mamet gave to his writers of the unit. Do you know about this? No. He sent a memo to his writers of the unit, which was a TV series TV show, he, yeah. he was doing. Uh, and it was all in block capitals as well. Right. right? <laughs> but it was basically um, just writing rules and some right. basic writing rules that they he wanted them to keep right. in mind. But one of them, and I was only looking at it last week, was... If two people are just talking about a third person uh, for the benefits of themselves and the audience, the scene is a crock of yeah. crap, basically. Yeah. Uh, but then if you turn on the TV or even some films, that's what you see every day. Mm. And so there is, it's, we've, screen language has slipped into a complacent shorthand. Well, that's the difference, though, because if you, <clears throat> if you want to be really blunt about it, and I guess that I do, because I'm going to say it. Mm-hmm. But TV is designed to be heard and occasionally looked at. Mm-hmm. 
whereas films is designed to be looked at and occasionally listened to, mm. and that that is the difference. Yeah. So as especially in this country, we might have a slight TV disease, which is like writers growing up writing for TV, and then they swap to cinema and just go, oh, it's just ninety minute TV episode. They might be over dialogue reliant because that's what you do on TV. You know, that's how a TV medium is kind of formed. It's mm. very rare that you get three minutes silence or whatever, two minutes silence on TV, well, and you just show shots. Mm. But in cinema, you know, that might be quite yeah. quite standard. But, you know, people, if they're doing the ironing, they can't be doing that. They're not watching the screen, so you've got to give them a, bit, a little bit of extra dialogue. That's general generalisation, totally. It is generalisation. Because uh, other times you'll go to a session all about dialogue, and it will stress the importance of dialogue and all the functions of dialogue, like we've even totally, spoke, totally is. spoken about in the podcast. No, no, totally is. But what I've found in my rewrite is I'm making the dialogue count for more when it comes. Yeah. So it's making the dialogue better well, and the picture better. Well, can I push it back into the face of directors as well? In terms of, we always get it laid at the writer's door. Yeah. Saying, oh, don't do this, don't do that. Some, yeah. of, the, some of the directing I see is really, you know, why is the camera moving here? Yeah. Why, you know. What... But that's not our business in a way, Danny. We, we're just, what I'm just saying is make, make our bit as good as we can. Look, I mean, that, that, but if it, other people stuff it up, that's their bad. But what, what Paul was talking about was visual kind of grammar. And that's what I'm yeah. talking about with, with, in terms of um, some directors where they'll over-direct a scene with... Yeah. Stupid movements, yeah, or, oh, yeah. Or, or like three or four cuts when they only needed one type thing. Yeah, and I don't, don't mean that in a snobby way, but it's just like a visual grammar way. To, 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 um, totally, mate. And and um, you know, that's the same problem that a lot of writers have, which is you know, uh, being having too many scenes when you could merge it into one, and they've got too many cuts when they could just have one shot. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm. It's just the thing we all go through, but you just do your best. But it's it? this particular panic in TV. Where it's like, oh my god, you know, there's no movement in the scene. The camera hasn't moved. Yeah, we, you know, we need to do something. And yeah. it's like, well, you, you don't really. No, you well, don't. depending on the context of the scene. You don't. So that's why you see a lot of just dolly shots and in soaps and stuff that are doing nothing. Yeah, but think about how people watch a lot of TV, though, Danny. They're watching it now in a window on their laptop, and they've got Messenger and that open to the side. Unless you've got that movement, it's a dead bit of your eye <laughs> yeah so, so that's what there's a debate either way yeah. yeah that's the world we're living in anyway, interesting we got a bit deeper than what we wanted to get into yeah um there was a great one with our good friend uh jason arn up on the panel about writing um tv fantastical tv yeah. and by that we mean sort of sci-fi and fantasy and all that kind of thing just i guess the one thing i took away from that was uh there's still a kind of a thing that fantasy and sci-fi it seems a bit nerdy well the execs won't commission it because they don't understand it but and i don't mean that in a but you know actually you can have all sorts of types of shows that although they have a fantastical element to them Mm. that we might enjoy in a geeky way they're perceived to not be Mm. e.g ashes to ashes yeah it's kind of a fantasy setup. Yeah. It's not real. Mm. That could never happen. You know what I mean? That's just stupid. Mm, only happened to me last week, Tim. What are you talking about? Yeah, well, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Uh, probably did, man. The hotel you were staying in. <laughs> yeah. You probably felt you had gone back in time. But, you know, it was... Um, it, it, you can get that fantasy element in, in through the back door by pitching it in a different way. Exactly. So that's what I Because, yeah, that's a police that. procedural series, but with a fantasy element. Yeah. yeah. So you sell it as a kind of uh, interesting... 
funky police show mm. don't go, well, I've got this sort of time travelly mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, oh, yeah. oh, oh, see you later, see you later. But of course, everyone there kind of was, that's the how we're going to have to do it. But of course, we just love sci-fi. So whatever. Well, this is what's so great about Jack Thorne's recent series, The Fades, because it's a supernatural thriller, proper genre, mm. you know, properly. It's not... It's not trying to do anything. It is, yeah. If you know what I mean, unashamedly, terms, unashamedly. So it it kind of knows its genre and it's taking things to new and interesting areas, and so it's really worked. Whereas something like uh, Outcast on BBC One earlier this yeah. year, I think, yeah, it yeah, was, yeah, didn't quite work. But it had, you know, which was unfortunate. Um, but it had the ambition to do so. But now execs will look at something like Space or whatever and go, Outcast didn't work. The audience doesn't like. Space sci-fi or yeah. space and it's like yeah. that's not true you yeah. just need to do genre properly yeah yeah um, because if one cop show failed they wouldn't go that's it yeah exactly no more cop show <clears throat> no one like that mm. whatever oh yeah Hollywood pitching Tim's just pointing out I'm just pointing on the schedule because yeah. uh, do a session that I didn't go to I went to um, you went to it was with Stuart Hazeldean who's a, a English writer based here but he's a Hollywood writer he goes out I think twice a year um, to pitch and nab commissions. He wrote and directed Exam, that low-budget British mm. UK last year. Very good guy, uh, very smart, very on the ball, speaks you know, his mind and speaks a lot of truth. Uh, Jonathan Newman, a uh, lovely guy who's written and directed a couple of features. His latest one with uh, Tony Collette is, is about to be out. It's called Foster, I think. And David Reynolds, who they nabbed all the way from Pixar, um, and they just spoke about Hollywood pitching, but it was a really because of those that the dynamic of those three, it was a fun, lively, informative session. Not really saying anything different to how you should pitch or might pitch. Oh, really? In here, okay, but it's on a Hollywood level, of course. Yeah, you could have maybe weirder exec reactions or stories, right? Right, right. Um, well, I always remember Sam and Jim show going over those kind yeah. of pitches things. They, that was always very interesting. So execs who can be a bit weird or leave, yeah. leave the room and yeah. uh, or just not look at you and uh, yeah. all that kind of stuff. But that was fun. I really enjoyed that one. That was one of my highlights, yeah. Um, I wasn't there because I was in with um, a, a quite a long session, actually, from Linda Aronson, who we know now to mm. be a listener. So, hello, Linda. Um, oh, yeah. Hello. Good eye. Good eye, Because <laughs> she's an Aussie. Isn't she I, an Aussie? She's not a New Zealand. I don't mean to offend her now. She's a New Zealand. Well, you're on your own now. I'm on my own. God, dog my own bloody grave. What, yeah. um, Sorry, Linda. I thought it was great because it's about it was about kind of non-linear writing, so non-linear narratives in whatever form mm. could be sort of flashback, two stories, multi-stories. I love all that. All that I like all that, but I've always found my own way through it. Mm-hmm. Um, not struggling because I've been enjoying it. I enjoy trying to find the structure within such weird stories. But um, Linda's really studied it and um, has come up with a kind of a set of um, structural methods that have worked repeatedly in other films. Mm. So if you're interested in that, you can check out check out her book. I, I've ordered it, but it hasn't arrived yet. Just because I felt this is interesting just for me, even if I never use any of it, I'm interested in those different types of stories just because, I mean, she calls it 21st century screenplay. I'm, I think that, that is true. I think people, if you want to know something, you put it into Google and you look at three entries. People are used to kind, they want multiple things of looking at, multiple ways of looking at things now. 
Um, I guess the thing that I take away from it, she was talking a lot about the, the that kind of structure, you might call it the Amadeus structure or the Shine structure, where you've got a kind of a modern day uh, three act, cutting to a flashback mm. three act. <clears throat> And uh, the big thing that she's worked out there, the best ones, is if you take your uh, flashbacky bit, so where it all went wrong or where it all went right, almost like the end of Act 2 there, when there's some big drama, whatever that is, that should be almost your kind of inciting incident in the modern day bit, mm -hmm. so that the story loops round on mm -hmm. itself. Mm -hmm. And then in between, you just jump in between the flashback and the modern day. So it's like, oh yeah, that's I could aim for that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If I was wanting to do that, I'd be like, if I can find what that is, the rest of it, I can hang it off. Mm -hmm. So it's just ideas like that in yeah. her book. And then she looked at all these other ones, like what if you've got like a crash style thing mm -hmm. with... Lots of stories, lots of sort of, are they protagonists? Yeah. What are they? You don't know what to call them. So she can sort, she sort of guides you through the successful ones, says here's how those work. Mm. And then the ones that haven't worked so well and says here's why that hasn't worked mm. so well because there isn't an overarching theme or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah, great. Very, very interesting. And the breakaway from hero's journey as a structure and all those kind of things yeah it's a structure i kind of lean to actually so i'm quite interested by it so i might look in oh you must then further into that, yeah you yeah. must and say must everyone else if they're listening and they love all that it is a stuff. bit of advanced craft if, if you'd like because too many new writers try maybe a flashback narrative or fancy techniques when really it's just they're doing bells and whistles instead of telling a story so it, it's, well this is but the, if you if you're leaning towards that way though um, I would say get this because that will stop you doing the, exactly stop doing the bells, bells and whistles, bells and whistles, and realizing that in fact that's just whatever. Yeah, it's it just a teeny like that's one percent of the interest. Mm. You've still got to get the proper story hanging right mm. before you're twitting around with that. And and of course you really got to plan it. Yeah, you, you, much more than if you're doing a linear narrative where you can kind of work your way work your way um, through it. Uh, let's have a look at the time, Danny. See how much longer we've got because we don't want to be. We'll, well, we'll wrap it up pretty. Well, I think we have to, we're going to have to wrap well, the, it up there. Well, the last session that I or one of the last sessions anyway was uh, getting your TV series commissioned, which was with Robert Thorogood, yeah. uh, writer of Death in Paradise. So we'll just round it off with this kind of Red Planet Prize thing and Roland Moore, who's written uh, Land Girls and how he got that up and running. So that was great and that was very interesting. But all the stories, as you say, are you know. Hard, hard graft of like yeah. hanging in there. Yeah, and, and I mean, I did doing what, the pitching. And I did one about so very similar to what you've done there. I did one which was about big breaks. Yeah, like what is a big break and so on, which was my favourite session to do because it was while the free bar just was on, <laughs> yeah. so everyone brought their beers in. Yeah, and um, we just had a conversation about that. What was our conclusion from that conversation? That in fact, you know, after six, seven years of hard graft, these guys had an overnight success yeah and and that's what that's what it comes down to doesn't it getting better at getting better at your work keep writing keep sending it keep getting the feedback keep struggling if you like just keep just keep churning them out if you want to put it that way um getting better all the time and of course that sets you up for the success that you will probably have eventually just because you've got that material there exactly and there is no one big break or there might be one big break but there's your your career is a series of breaks of what you need yeah, to be doing and continue yeah, exactly. to do just carry on yeah stop stop what stop, stop waiting for that and just keep going mm. so the uh the festival is a great kind of inspirational weekend just to get you back writing which was what we've been doing which is why we've been um 
a bit late. Oh, yeah, I got back straight. I was straight writing. Yeah, we're a bit late. Straight, straight away. But it ties us neatly to a clip we're going to play of Jack Thorne, which, yes. is, which is about his writing routine and how much work he does, which is kind of inspiring in itself. It is. So we'll leave, we'll leave we'll the leave last you with words that. to Jack. Yeah. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Um, uh, I do, I sit at the computer about 10 a.m. Um, I try and watch a, a thing in the morning, uh, like an episode of a telly show or a thing yeah. when I wake up in the morning, yeah. which is nice. And then I sit at the computer about 10 a.m. And then I stay sat here till about um, um, 7, 8 o'clock. Wow. And then I go and eat. And then I come back at about 10, half 10. And then sit here for another couple of hours. <laughs> and I go, that's, it's a really fun life, I tell you. <laughs> <laughs>